Hello, and welcome to the Loft Podcast. We are so excited about today's message, the book of Acts. Get ready to have your thinking challenged and your faith turned up. Here's Lisa. A better time to talk about the way to think, the way to believe, and the way to act in your life than on Independence Day. Because I looked up the word independence, and it just means free from anyone else governing me. You have to have self-governance. You have to be able to partner with God in the, in the authority that he's giving you and the authority that he has given you, and, and then govern yourself to follow what God is calling us to do. And the book of Acts is the setup for the first century church. It's how did the church get off the ground? How did it happen? That's basically the stories that we're going to read. So remember Acts 1.8, you're going to receive power to be my witnesses in all the world, basically, is what it said. When the Holy Spirit comes on you. In and of yourself, you won't be able to do it, at least not very well. It might, it might always just sound messy or insecure or condemning when you're trying to share your faith. But what we're talking about this morning, in essence, is how to share your faith and how to share your faith with anyone, anywhere, anytime, every time. When I used to hear stories like this and preaching like this, I'd just roll my eyes because I'd be like, man, I don't need a story like that. I, I don't need to be telling somebody. I need to get myself together, you know. And I, I need another message on love, and I need another message on empowerment. I need another message about forgiveness, and another one on love. And then I need another one on encouragement, and another one on the freedom that comes in God, and another one on love, and then another one on how his grace is sufficient for me, and I need one more on love. And what happens in that, that's like eating carbs all the time. We're going to get so fat and never be able to use it for energy in the, in the kingdom of God. And we're not built that way. Our body isn't built that way. Our spirit isn't built that way. So we have messages on love and empowerment. As a matter of fact, the end of the summer series is all about the love of God. We're going to call it For God So Loved the World that he did A, B, C, D, F, G. We're going to talk about those things, okay? But today, we're talking about how to act and how to believe. And we're going to start in here in the, in the book of Acts. Uh, let me just dig into the beginning. Look, I, I, here, when I hesitate like this, it's because I have a couple thoughts. Which way should I go? Should I go the way that I plan to go? Should I go the way that I feel like the Holy Spirit is calling me right now? I always, I always land on the way the Holy Spirit is calling me right now. But what happens is that internal, I don't want to do that because I don't know how that will go. But I'm going to do it anyways because I'm an obedient person to the kingdom of God, if I'm anything. So, look, you have a calling. This is the thing. You have a calling on your life. You have a calling to be a minister of reconciliation. You carry around the treasure of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I feel like this prophetically, like we are so distracted. We are so far away from who God has called us to be. And we look around at the earth and we wonder why there's chaos and why do these hard things abound and why is sin prevalent? Why don't people care about God and why don't people come to church and how do people build church? Well, I don't know. I barely wanted to be here myself this morning. I just wanted to make pancakes and stay home. But look, the Spirit of God has called us to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. The Spirit of God leads us into profound places with the empowerment that comes from the power of the Holy Spirit, like it came in the book of Acts that day. That same power comes on us to quicken our body, to prompt us, to lead us in directions. And we have to follow those promptings. We need that. 
We need to follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit that's leading us to do bold things, to do kind things, to do things we might not necessarily want to do that might benefit another person. Because if you are the instrument of God in the earth today and you're not obedient to God, how in the world do you expect anybody else to follow? No one will. God's calling us. Everything happens in the church first. Everything. And then everything else that follows comes from us stepping up and into our calling. And this is our calling that we might be ministers of reconciliation. That never changes. So there's a scripture in Ephesians. I'll read this first. Thank you, Holy Spirit. It says, remember that you were once Gentiles. This is Ephesians chapter, what is it? Chapter 2. And it's, it's talking about how Jesus became the bond of peace for the inside of us, that we might have a peace knowing God that we didn't know before. And it's speaking about how once you were a Gentile, once you didn't know God, but, but all of us become Jews by being engrafted into the belief system of Christ, okay? And, and Jesus does that to tear down the walls between Jews and Gentiles or Christian and Muslim or whoever or whatever it is. Straight people, gay people. I don't know. All I'm seeing in this is that Jesus tears down walls of diversity to make peace be the umpire in the case. That's how I'm reading this. Let me just read it to you and see if you get the same thing. Therefore, remember that you were once Gentiles in the flesh. Go to verse 12. At that time, you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. Separate from the commonwealth of Israel. Well, what, what is that? It's not just fu fundamentally financial that it's talking about. The Jews believed in that day that the power of God and the spirit of God was poured out for the Jews only. And you were separate from that. You were, you, were, you were strangers from the covenants of promise. You had no hope and you were without God in the world. That is a sad place to be. That is a horrible condition. Many Christians live in that condition. But now in Christ, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. He has made us both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, which is hatred, it is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from two, thus making peace, that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death enmity. I know I'm going on and on, but it says, verse 19, therefore now you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but your fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. So, right, Acts 10 brings all people together. Acts 10 is the story where basically Peter has a vision. And on it, it's like sheets coming down by four corners. He has a vision. He has it three times. And on the sheet, there's all kinds of different animals that are unclean. There's, you know, beasts and reptiles and birds. And in the dream, he hears the voice of God saying to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Have this. You know, if you ever wondered if God meant for you to eat meat, there you go. Rise, Peter, kill and eat. Eat this for your food. And Peter says, no, Lord, which I find stunning that you could say no, Lord, because no, Lord, is a contradiction in terms. But he says, no, Lord, I can't do that. It's, it's, I've never eaten anything unclean in my life. And the voice tells them, don't call unclean what I have made clean. When I call something clean, you don't call it unclean. When I call something made in my image, you don't call it anything else. And God is giving Peter a game-changing plan right here. But he doesn't know what it means. Not yet. Well, at the same time, there's a guy named Cornelius. If you just start in the beginning of, of chapter 10 in the book of Acts, Cornelius, he's a soldier. 
You know, he's, he's in the Roman Guard. He's in the Italian Regiment. He's, he's an official. And he's a God-fearing man. He loves God. And all the people of his house love God. And they do good works and they give to the, to the church of the day. So can you imagine? I mean, it's like, well, if he's already a God-fearing man and he already does good and he already gives, why does he need Peter to come? But he has an angelic visitation. Why don't I hear the voice of God? And why don't I have angelic visitation? Man, get off Facebook. Get off your phone. Get quiet. Turn the lights down. Set your head and your face before the word of God, and you will hear him talk to you. That's the only missing element. All of the things that have happened that have brought us so far away from who we are, taken the keys of the kingdom out of our hands and put them into ridiculous things that fade away, circumstances that will be different tomorrow. We focus all of our time and attention on those things, but we have to bring our time and attention back to the focus of the word of God if we're ever going to understand what God is calling us to do. So Cornelius, at the same time that Peter is having this vision, Cornelius is having a vision or an angelic visitation. And it's a, it's a man dressed all in white, and he tells him, hey, Peter is here. He goes by Simon Peter, and he's staying with another guy named Simon the Tanner. Don't get confused. And he goes, why don't you send word? He's just in Joppa. He's not that far. I want him to come and speak to you all the things that I've told him. Man, can you imagine if God, God is working providentially all the time. He's working. He's out there right now while we're sitting here in this beautiful air-conditioned space, worshiping God, loving each other, feeling completely safe. He's out there working on people that you're going to be speaking to later today. He's out there talking and manipulating the circumstances for your coworkers, for people that you love and that you know and that you care about, your own children. You know, people that have come that you weren't expecting that are coming into your life even today. God is working on their hearts just like he was speaking to Cornelius's heart in this moment. Go and find out who this God is and what's happening. And Peter's having a vision over here. And Peter is so, so just hard after the heart of God and just following him so close. He hears the Holy Spirit after he has that vision three times. He goes, hey, there's some men. Three men are coming from Joppa. They're going to take you. I want you to go and speak to Cornelius. Can you imagine if God started to speak to you that clearly? I would even present to you that he probably does, and you swat it away like little bugs because you don't want to do that. It's time to do it. It's time to speak up. God is moving. There's something restless. There's something awesome. Even on a, on a 4th of July, it's like, you know, at Christmas, how it feels like snowflakes and peace and giving and fun and candy canes and Christmas trees and all that. At least that's how it is for me. On the 4th of July, it feels like fire and, and freedom and a battle to forge so I can be free on the other side of that battle. And it's a good place to be. But it's the way that God is moving and the way that he's stirring. And he was stirring here. And he was stirring Cornelius's heart. And he was stirring Peter's heart. And, and Peter knew that he was supposed to go. Why did God have to speak all that? Because there was a huge chasm between Jews and Gentiles. And it was even illegal for a Jew to go into a Gentile's house like that. A lot of things Jesus changed. He brings such a, such a name changer. So while Peter's having this dream, Cornelius is having his vision, his visitation, Peter ends up going to Joppa. And when he gets there, he's like, hey, well, you know, I have, this, I have this vision of this sheet coming down. You know, why did, why did you call me to be here? And we'll pick up the story in the book of Acts chapter 10. It's way down in verse 30. Aren't you glad I didn't read you 30 verses this morning? You can read those in your own time, but you can stand up with me to honor the word of God as we read this this morning together. So Cornelius then speaks to Peter. They meet face to face, and here's the time of it. Cornelius said, Peter's like, what am I doing here? Cornelius said, four days ago, I was fasting until this hour. 
At the ninth hour, I prayed in my house. I saw a man who stood before me in bright clothing, and he said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard. Your alms are remembered in the sight of God. Send, therefore, to Joppa and call Simon here, whose surname is Peter. He's lodging in the house of Simon a Tanner by the sea. When he comes, he will speak to you. And so I sent to you immediately, and you have done well to come. Now, therefore, we are all present before God to hear all the things commanded you by God. You can be seated. And just in case you would read through that and think that's just another day and another story, let me, let me tell you what that means. Cornelius is saying, we're all here. We're all present. We're all ready to hear what God wants to say to us through you. It's very similar to where you're sitting right now, and you're trusting that God has spoken something to my heart to bring to your heart this morning, that it might bring a change, that it might provoke something in your heart, in your spirit. It's the same thing that was happening here. But it speaks of desire. And it speaks of the authority of God to come and command an officer, what do you want to say? It reminds me of another story in Matthew where Jesus meets a centurion. Do you remember that story? Jesus meets a centurion. The centurion is coming and asking for help. He's like, I know that you're a healer, Jesus. Would you come? Would you heal my servant? They're at home. They're in bed. They're, you know, they're, they're on the brink of death. And Jesus is like, yeah, I'll come. I'll come. And, and the centurion says, you don't need to come. You can just speak it by your word. Because I, too, am a man under authority. And I know that if you speak this, all at your word and your authority in heaven, I know that my servant will be healed. And, and then the Bible says something amazing. It says, Jesus marveled. Don't you want to do something in your life that makes Jesus marvel? That's powerful. He marveled and he said, There's, I've never even seen this kind of faith anywhere. I'm looking at this most powerful kind of faith. I haven't seen this in all of Israel. And I'm looking at it right here in front of my eyes. And, and you know what happens? That servant gets healed. It's the same kind of thing. Cornelius is drawing his people together. What do you want to say? I think that's pretty powerful. And I don't have to read that whole thing to you. That's in Matthew 8. It's 5 through 13. But I love it. And at the end of it, there's a place where, uh, right around verse 12, 13, let's see. Nope, it's verse 11. After Jesus is dealing with the centurion there in Matthew, there's a place where he says, I haven't seen this kind of faith. And in verse 11, if you look at this, it says, and I'm saying to you, because I haven't seen faith like this, but I'm saying to you right now that many will come from the east and the west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom. He's saying everybody gets to be in the family of God. He's talking to a Roman soldier. You have faith too. Look at that. You can come and be part of the table. It isn't just for one sect of people. It isn't just for one little group. It isn't just for one special church that prays right or speaks right or dresses right or says the right songs or, you know, has the right thing. I don't know. Doesn't play music in their church. They're the ones. They, they're the 144 chosen. Th I don't know. I don't know any of that. All I know is that Jesus is a terror downer of walls and an instrument of peace and that he's saying right here, many will come from the east and the west and they're going to come all the way in. It says, even the sons of the kingdom will be cast out in darkness. There's weeping and gnashing of teeth. There's a series we could do. But it says, Jesus said to the centurion, go your way as you have believed, let it be done for you. Man, Jesus came so that everybody could partake in the feast if they wanted to. The centurions are understanding authority, and they have a desire to hear what God wants to say. Mm, mm, mm. So when it gets back to the conversation between Cornelius and Peter, Peter opens his mouth, and he says, well, in truth, I perceive, this is verse 34, I perceive that God shows no partiality. 
But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, that he's the Lord of all, that word that you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee with the baptism of John, Jesus of Nazareth, he's anointed with power, you know, da-da-da, he's telling the whole story about what happens. Well, the empowering of the Holy Spirit enables us to do these kinds of things. Peter didn't, he wasn't this guy before. Remember him? He was hiding out. He was afraid. He was trying to fight with chop off the soldier's ear, and then he's afraid. He denies Jesus three times. He's hiding out. Now he's bold. He has the power of the Holy Spirit on him, and he's emboldened to be able to preach and to speak and to teach and to lead and to be kind and to go into a Gentile's house. He's looking for whatever God wants to do. That's pretty profound. The Spirit of God leads us to do profound and bold things. And, you know, there's a quick, there's a quick story, too, where Paul's doing the same thing, and he's talking to some Greeks. And, and they all perceive this, the book of Acts, how to believe, how to, how to speak, how to act, how to live. And Paul is speaking to some Greek people. That's different. That's not a Jew. That's a Greek. It's a different ethnic group. And he's having a conversation about the Lord here in Acts 17, 27. Paul is speaking, the God who made the world and everything in it, the Lord of heaven and earth doesn't live in temples built by hands. When God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and maybe find him, Though he is not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. Why do I bring that up? God is close by. God is not very far from any one of us. And the apostles perceived that. And you need to perceive that. When you're sitting with someone and you have that little bubble come up, man, I should talk to them about my faith. Yeah, you should, because God isn't very far from any one of us. And God wants to open the door that everyone can come in in inclusion into his kingdom. The thing that brings every single person together is the cross. The cross is an amazing thing. It levels the entire playing field. It makes all the ground at the foot of the cross level. And it makes every person made in the image of God. It doesn't make, it doesn't continually bring separation all the time. We can have unity without uniformity. We can be united and not be uniform. We don't have to copy each other. We don't have to all look the same. There's many expressions of faith. There's many ways to worship God. You know, that's why we have denominations. You can worship God. You can worship him any way and, and, that you choose. You can find a church. You can find a church. You can sleep through the entire situation if you wanted to. You could find a church just like that, and it's fine. Whatever it takes for you to find a communion and a fellowship with God. But the point is, we can have uniformity. We can have unity without uniformity. Okay. So with Peter and with Cornelius, what we're watching here is all the prejudices fall down. All the walls of division are falling down. They're coming together in a room. Look, the world has given us a lot of exclusives, a lot of exclusion. You can be in this club if you can do that. If you look like this, you can be in this club. But if you don't look like this, you can't be in this club. You can't sit here. If you have this much money, you can be here. But if you don't, you can't come. You know, If your skin is that color, you have to do that thing. But if your skin is this color, you can do You see what I'm saying? And, and the world has given us so much information about so many things right at our fingertips. We can look anywhere we want and find somebody who's like us. What does that do? Can you look with the eyes of the Spirit and see the whole world? Can you see that little pods of diversity and division have been made all over the entire planet? And largely right here in the United States of America. Man, we're divided now by who's vaccinated and who isn't. You know? I mean, let's make another pod, you know? 
And, and let's separate everybody. And let, let's think everyone else is foolish and we're right. This is a real, legit situation that we live in. I find myself stumbling on the edge of that sometimes, trying not to judge someone that I think is, that's a ludicrous opinion. It's a dividing wall that somebody erected. And it's our job to bring it down. Mm, mm, mm. That is good right there. God has given us his keys of the kingdom, his authority, his words, his ability, his love. And when we do that, we break down dividing walls. And we're able to, we're able to make the chasm close and the gap be filled. That's good right there. Peter ends up saying to Cornelius while he's having his story, verse 39, he goes, we are witnesses of all the things that he did, both in the land and in, in, with the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging him on a tree. And then God raised him on the third day. And then, and then, and then. And what's happening here is Peter's telling his stories. He's telling his stories of what happened with him and Jesus. That's what he's doing. He's saying, man, you know, I betrayed him three times, you know. And I was the worst. I knew him. I was the last time I saw him before he, before he was killed, I denied him three times. My heart was broken about that. I don't know what to do. I just went fishing. And then all of a sudden, I, I, look, on the, I look on the shore, and there he is. You know, and he's grilling some fish for me. And I knew, man, I should have been full of shame, and I should have held myself back, and I, I shouldn't have ran to him, but I couldn't help it. I had to because I knew, I knew that when I got there, I would get in his arms and I would feel his love and I would feel safe and I would feel his, his forgiveness and I would feel that power and I would see that he rose from the dead and I would know and my eyes of understanding would be open and I wouldn't be little anymore and I wouldn't be ashamed and I wouldn't be broken, but I would be in his presence and I would be whole. And when he's saying this stuff, that's what he's doing. He's telling Cornelius what he saw. We were witnesses to this. Your preaching, your story is what God did in your life. What did he do? And how were you shaken by it? And what was that moment of transformation when you used to be that and then you became this because Jesus touched your life and the Holy Spirit empowered you to tell it? And you know what happened then? The Holy Spirit fell on these Gentile people right in front of Peter's face. Can you imagine him? He's like, what in the world, what is happening? The Gentiles are receiving the Holy Spirit. You know how he knew? Because it was resonant from that day of Pentecost. And they were a little shaky and a little weepy. And they started speaking in old tongues. Yeah, they did it right in front of Peter. And Peter was like, oh, well, what's to forbid water then? Let's let them be baptized in the name of Jesus then because the Holy Spirit came on them the same way that he came on us. The table is open to whosoever will. God made Peter a game changer in that day. And I'm, I'm just going to end with the idea of, of the providential blessing of God. How far did Jesus go to get us to the place where we can understand that the gospel is for everybody, whosoever will. We think the United States is everybody. It's this big on the world stage, guys. There's a whole world that God so loved that he gave his son that whoever would believe wouldn't perish but have eternal life in him. That's the good stuff. And while you're sharing your testimony, people will come to the knowledge of God. If you don't share it, God will find another path. He's like that. He's that good. He isn't going to leave someone without. 
but he has set a stage for you and made a place for you. And I just wanted to talk really quick about, I don't know why this came to me, but just the idea of the genealogy of Jesus. Because if you look at where he came from, I had read a book a long time ago that talked about the different people in the genealogy of Jesus, how basically the people that, that Jesus' family came from would represent every people group. I can't remember the name of the book. I couldn't, even, I couldn't even begin to pour out this whole study for you. But I can give you a little bit from a book that I have read um, called A Legacy of Love. And it's a little novella. It's, it's kind of a, it's a fictitious account of true stories, and it rings pretty true. You could see it. It's kind of the way that I teach, you know. I tell you that, though. I'll be like, this is my filter. This is the word, but this is what I think it, it means. You go figure out from the Holy Spirit what it means for you, right? That's how we teach around here, right? <laughs> Just got to make sure you're with me. Um, but there's, so there's the genealogy of Jesus. And when it's listed there, and the providential blessing of God to prepare us, it lists some women. And they're not all Jewish women. Now, the point of a genealogy is to prove how pure you are. Let's do a family tree, and let's see if we go back to kings, you know. Let's have a fa- that's why everybody does it. Let me, here's a drop of my DNA. Let's find out if I'm from the royal family. You know, it's like we, we think this way. Oh, no, you were part of the pulpas, you know. I mean, it's just, it come, you find out what your bloodline is, where you came from. And so Jesus' genealogy lists some women. Now, first of all, women wouldn't even have typically been considered worthy of writing about. But in Jesus' genealogy, there are four. There are five, really, but four I'm going to talk about really quick. So Tamar is the first one. Tamar is a Canaanite. Canaanite. Tamar is the daughter-in-law of Reuben. Reuben? Judah. The daughter-in-law of Judah. And she is barren. She doesn't have a son. This is her story. And she ends up playing the prostitute to get her father-in-law to sleep with her so she can have a baby. You know why? Because in those days, it was a woman's entire identity and her entire purpose to have a child. And if you couldn't, what use were you? Today, a woman's identity is in Jesus Christ and him alone, right? So she's the first one, Tamar. Is the, first, is the first one, who's a Canaanite, not a Jew. Secondly, Rahab. Rahab was a Gentile prostitute. Remember her? She hid the spies in the wall and saved the whole city. She helped the walls of Jericho come tumbling down because she saved the spies from Israel. And while I'm speaking about these things, we should also speak to Jesus didn't only say that the gospel is for all mankind and not just the Jewish faith, but also Look at the scandalous people that we're, that we're dealing with right here. He took everything about class and he just flattened it. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter how high or how low you are. Jesus is the one that is going to bring you into family and purify that entire life. The next woman is Ruth. Ruth, I don't know if you know this, but she's from Moab. She's a Moabite. I don't know if you've ever read any Bible history, but her ancestry comes from Lot and his two daughters and their incestual situation bringing about that people group. What can God do with us, right? We always think Bible heroes are like, oh, but they're not. They're just men and women like us living the same kind of things that we live through, breaking through the same kind of things that we break through. And then Bathsheba, she was a Jewish woman. But she married Uriah the Hittite, who was not a Jew, her first marriage, before King David. 
It's like Jesus is pointing out here. He's, he's orchestrating it. He's orchestrating that anybody could come to the table and dine. And he's showing it that his own lineage, his own life would come through and bring down racial divide and bring down tension and walls of division and make us one. Remember that scripture in John? I pray that they would be one as you and I are one. It's the work of Jesus. It's, it's what the kingdom of God looks like on the earth today. And we're the instruments of it. Are you guys getting anything out of this talk? Man, Jesus longs for us to be one. And he chose Peter to be the instrument of change. That the gospel is open for all mankind. And one thing about this too. If anyone wouldn't have been a candidate by now, it would have been Peter. And so I guess just to, just to wrap it up. Whatever you've done, and whoever you are, whatever you've seen, wherever you've been, there's nothing too far away that the Spirit of the Lord, Jesus Christ, cannot redeem and make new and sanctify with purpose. You guys can stand up with me. Thank you for the 4th of July, Holy Spirit of God. Thank you for independence from other governments. Thank you for a spirit that allows us to govern ourselves in this country. God, thank you for the information age, that we have more information, we make more choices than we've ever made in our lives. Thank you, God, that we have access to people. Let it be something that we turn to a positive note that says, I am your instrument of change. Use me, God. I come to you expecting full, full inclusion, full forgiveness, full exploration of my, my walk and my life with you, God. God, would you pour your spirit out on us in the name, above every name, the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, guys. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us today. Remember to like and follow for the next installment of The Loft Podcast. If you want to be a partner with The Loft, you can give on givelify.com. If you need more information, check us out on Facebook or at theloftgathering.com. And of course, join us 1030 Sunday mornings. Hope you have a great week. Till next time.